What's up, everybody? Hey. Uh, hey, it's uh, super exciting to be here with you. That's a lot to live up to. Uh, that, that, but it's probably, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally awkward. So probably already feeling that. That's okay. Uh, uh, so listen, like Ashley said, we have incredible pastors here at Crossroads Church. And so I don't know if Pastor Craig and Michelle, if you're watching, but can we just celebrate them for a second one more time? Incredible. Incredible leadership that they give to this church uh, and this community. They have a heart for this area, uh, for Hendricks County. I've been serving here for uh, 22 plus years, and God has done some incredible things because of their willingness to listen to his call for their life. And so uh, we really believe that the best is yet to come, too. So <laughs> if you thought the first 20-some years were great, just stick around for the next, all right? Uh, it's going to be even better. So, hey, um, so yeah, today we get to, uh, you get to hear from me. And so if you're watching online, if you're watching online, stick around. Okay, I promise it won't be too bad. Uh, and if you are in the room, I haven't seen anybody get up and leave. First service, we actually did. I called them out, too. Uh, I was, <laughs> so if you're thinking about it, you know, just hang tight. It'll be over soon. Uh, I, I'm just teasing you. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we'll pray for the Colts, all right? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, because they need it. Um, <laughs> so... Um, but like Aubrey said, today is, there's no growth track today. So most of you, if you're in the room right now, that means you're not in growth track. Uh, so that goes on second service. So you're here. Uh, but if you're thinking about starting next Sunday is a great time for you to start. But what today is, it's a fifth Sunday. And so on our fifth Sundays here at Crossroads, uh, it is growth track graduation Sunday. So I don't know if there's any growth track graduates in the room that uh, have graduated growth track, done all four sessions in the last quarter. But if you're in the room and you've graduated, gone through those four sessions of growth track, can you stand up real quick? All right, anybody? Yeah, right there over here. All right, let's give him a hand clap. That's awesome. Hey, if you, if you want to discover your design, develop your leadership, and join the team here at Crossroads, Growth Track is for you, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, and hey, listen, I'm the youth pastor and young adult pastor, so when I get moments like this, you better believe I'm about to put some shameless plugs out there, okay? Uh, tonight is our annual fall party uh, here at CSM, so if you're a 6th through 12th grader, you have a 6th through 12th grader, you want to make sure that they're here uh, for tonight. We call it our... Uh, not a Halloween party because some are like a little skeptical about Halloween. So we call it not a Halloween party, uh, but we do dress up. So there's that. Um, so uh, you can figure it out, but it's not a Halloween party. All right. Uh, but yeah, come tonight, hang out with us. We're going to have a hayride because it's not going to rain in Jesus name. Can I get an amen? amen. That's right. Uh, and we're going to have some s'mores, some hot dogs. Uh, we're going to hear the word and just have a good time. So paint some pumpkins. Who loves pumpkin painting? Right, because pumpkin carving is more like Halloween, and this is not a Halloween party. We just do pumpkin painting here. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, come tonight. It's gonna be a blast. Uh, uh, I promise you'll have a good time. And if if you're somebody that's not come to CSM before, uh, you have a chance to win a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. All right. Uh, so there's a little plug for that. Uh, anyway, okay, I'm done with the commercial. Um, so like I said, Pastor Craig and Rochelle, they'll be back next week. Pastor Craig is going to continue uh, the series. But we're starting a brand new series today called Crazy Faith. And we're going to talk about some crazy faith-like situations that we can find in God's Word uh, this morning. Uh, and, you know, actually a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago, Pastor Craig uh, had me in his office. And he, said, he asked me if I would preach for him today uh, because they would be away and I just kind of, I, I chuckled. Now, like, side note, I, I chuckled, but my, my daughter is an eight-year-old, and she's in third grade, and she, they just had their elementary or third grade, like, choir uh, performance in school, and there's a song that they were singing. I don't even know why they write songs like this, but hey, somebody probably made a lot of money writing this song, but it's all about different kinds of laughter, Right? And I just said chuckled, but there's a word for laugh. There's a word that describes a kind of laughter that I had never heard before in my life until my eight-year-old was blaring off of Spotify because they put these songs on Spotify. This is great. Uh, and, and the word that was used for laughter was, I'd never heard it before, chortle. Chortle. 
Like, how fun is that? It sounds like a Pokemon. Uh, uh, so chortle. How many of you have ever heard the word chortle? Like, you know what that is. How many? Okay, good. Thank you. Most of the room does not. Thank you. I'm not alone in this. First service laughed at me, but you know, I'm, I'm used to that. Uh, so chortle is really what I did when I was sitting across from Pastor Craig, and he said, uh, do you want to preach and kick off this message series about faith? And the reason why I responded that way is because over the last quarter at Crossroads Students, we have uh, been in a series called Faith for Real. Uh, and we've just taken different stories in the Bible of authentic faith moments, and we've broken them down so we can apply the things that we learn from those stories to our life. And so I just like chuckled a little bit. I was like, absolutely, I can do that. I have so much material for this because I've listened to some pretty awesome messages and your students have been able to hear some pretty awesome messages uh, from my wife, Pastor Ashley, Pastor Matt, Aubrey, uh, and, and, and some really talented communicators that we have serving at, at Crossroads students. So your kids are in good hands, just so you know, all the way up. Right? They're in great hands. And uh, so, so I just kind of laughed. I was like, yes, I can do this. I'm excited about it. Uh, so this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to kick off this series about faith, and it's going to be fun. Before we do that, though, I want to tell a story to get us started. Um, I, was, I was five or six years old. My parents uh, had just moved to the country. Country folk, anybody? No? Yeah, I got a whole section of them. All right. Uh, so we had just moved out in, into the country. I mean, listen, the town that we moved out of was like 3,000 people. Uh, so it was pretty much country anyway. Um, but we just moved out. My dad had bought some property from my grandpa, uh, who was a farmer, and we built a house out there. Part of the situation, though, is we had to clear some brush. They were clearing some brush one afternoon and uh, put it in a big pile out in the front yard because when you're in the country, you burn things in the front yard because uh, who cares? So we, we're burning things in the front yard because that's what you do. And uh, what else, like, we had, eaten, we had eaten dinner. What else do you do when there's a big fire out front? You roast marshmallows, right? Can I get an amen, right? We roasted some marshmallows, my mom and my grandma were inside, uh, and they were, like, cleaning up from dinner, getting stuff situated, put back together, and I'm out there with the dudes, right? My grandpa and my dad, and we're just having a great time doing what dudes do. I don't, like, roasting marshmallows and farting, probably. I don't know. Uh, uh, that wasn't in my notes. Um, but So we're just doing the thing out there, and I had this thing. I had a situation happen to me where, you know, when you have a marshmallow at the end of your stick and you put it in the fire for too long, two things happen. What happens first? It gets burnt. And then it gets burnt so bad the marshmallow falls off into the fire, right? It is probably the most frustrating thing when you are a five or six-year-old kid seeing the marshmallow you just spent probably 30 seconds on fall into the fire, right? So I thought I would take the situation in my own hands and while my grandpa and my dad were just doing whatever, I saw that the marshmallow had strategically fallen in a little opening where there weren't really any flames. It looked pretty safe. So I thought that I could just reach in real quick and grab that marshmallow and get it out. I know, dumb idea. You probably aren't surprised. Uh, and so what I did was in spite of the circumstances, and in spite of the consequences, I reached right down in there, and I didn't get the marshmallow. Instead, I burned the mess out of my thumb, right? And instantly, I freak out, and I run inside. And now, as a parent, I, I understand this. But as a kid, it's kind of funny. When you do something stupid as a kid, which that was incredibly stupid. As a six-year-old, I probably should have known. I shouldn't do that. But when you do something stupid as a kid and the adult in the situation gets in trouble and you don't, right? <laughs> my, my mom and my grandma were thoroughly angered with my dad and my grandpa. And um, they lost their salvation in that moment. <laughs> um, and I was still in pain, but I found it humorous. Uh, <laughs> And I, but I got a pretty bad burn along the way. Uh, but I had faith that I believed in spite of all, in spite of the situation, I had faith that I could reach down in there and grab that marshmallow out and still enjoy it. Instead, I got burnt. 
I tell that story because we're talking about faith today. We're going to kick off this series. And as we kick it off, I think it's important that we define what faith is. And so out of the dictionary, if you look it up, uh, you'll probably find this kind of definition when you look up faith. But it's defined like this. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something implying without always having proof of that belief. The Bible defines it like this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about uh, what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Yeah, I was pretty confident that I could get that marshmallow out of the fire. I was pretty confident. I saw my opportunity and I, I took it, but none of the evidence pointed to that. None of the evidence pointed to that at all. And instead, I was burned. And I think some of us in the room, honestly, we struggle with this idea of faith, uh, trusting in God, being faithful, uh, because we've been burnt in the past. Um, several weeks ago, like I had mentioned prior uh, or before, at the beginning, um, you know, my wife, Pastor Ashley, she preached a fire message, all right? Like fire, burn, anything. She preached a fire message at CSM. And uh, she, was, she mentioned this, she touched on this, uh, and, and how she did it, she, she uh, just kind of had this thought right here um, that maybe we get burnt or we experience letdown because we build our life on the image of Christianity, not on the image of God. Right? Like, she's really good. She's better than me. I, and I know it, so I, I can say that. All right? But we, we build our faith and we build our life on the image of Christianity. Now, you know, when we're Christians and Christ followers, you, that should, like, you, you hear that and you're like, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, being a Christ follower also means that you're a person. Being a person means you're incredibly imperfect. And sometimes we, as fellow Christ followers, we hold people, we put people on pedestals, and what does that set us up for? Failure and letdown. Because when we put our trust and we put our faith in people, in the wrong things, or imperfect people, we are bound to be let down. We're bound to be let down. But when we build our faith around the Father, right, and who he truly is, like his character, how he never, he never lets us down, that he's always there, that he's always loving, he's always caring, that he's always gracious, always merciful, then we don't experience that letdown because we have put our faith in the image of the Father and his character and not in perfect people. And we do that, when we do that, our faith is built. It's not let down. And when our faith is built, it does something for us. This is what faith does. Faith believes in spite of circumstances and acts in spite of consequences. Say it again. Faith believes in spite of circumstances and acts in spite of consequences. Now, all that is just the intro, all right? Today, we're gonna talk about, um, we're gonna talk about a man in the Bible that exemplifies that. I strongly believe he exemplifies uh, acting or believing in spite of circumstances and consequences and acting in spite of consequences. I believe that 100%. This, this man, there's a book in the Bible. It's the oldest book in the Bible, many people believe. And uh, it's named after this man. The man's name is Job, right? Now, if you put it on paper, it looks like Job, all right? So some of you, maybe you've been saying it wrong the whole time. Uh, but let me just give you a, a lesson uh, it's Job, because the O says its own name, all right? I'm not a teacher, but I thought that was pretty sound advice, all right? The letter says its own name. Okay, um, maybe not. Uh, that's all right. Uh, all the teachers are like, there's a better way to describe that. And, uh, you're probably right, there is, but I'm not a licensed teacher or educator. Uh, so that's okay. So who is Job? Job, um, in chapter one, verse one of Job, we get a pretty good idea of a couple different characteristics of Job. So we're gonna start in verse one. All right, who is Job? Well, verse one says, there was once a man named, 
Very good. You got, there once was a na- man named Job, all right, who lived in the land of Uz. It already sounds like a nursery rhyme, uh, but it's not. All right, hang with me. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was what? Blameless and a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. So in other words, he was pretty as near as perfect as you could be, right? All right, you could say it like this. He was pretty darn near perfect. Like, he was a pretty, pretty perfect guy, all right? Who was Job? Verse two. He had seven sons. He had three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the area, right? So who was Job? He was filthy rich, right? So he was as perfect as you could be. He was filthy rich. And then in verse four, who was Job? Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, that is a party. Like, that's a party. How many of you ever party for several days? Don't answer the question. Or maybe you can. I don't know. All right. I don't know. Uh, I could have said, like, gotcha, but I didn't. Uh, that's good. Sometimes it was the last several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Now get this. This was Job's regular practice. This was Job's regular practice. He wasn't just like trying to like, you know, ask for forgiveness for the things that maybe he didn't do very wrong because, you know, he was perfect. But he cared so much about people that he was concerned about their right standing with God. Some of us need to do a better job with that. We need, we need to do a better job with other people's right standing with God, caring about others deeply. So to sum it up, Job was a very faithful man. He was very faithful. Job's a great man, almost perfect. He stayed away from evil. He was great in society's eyes and he cared about people. So that's the intro to the story. This is where it gets a little fun. Not if you're Job, but for us, inside looking out from the, from the outside looking in, right? This is where things change a little bit. So we're gonna read verse, uh, verse six in chapter one in Job. It goes like this. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity, fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything that he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he'll surely curse you to your face. So how does God reply to this? He's like, bet, let's do this, all right? Uh, Okay, sure, go ahead, he says. You can mess with his possessions, but don't physically harm him. Right, mess with his possessions, but don't physically harm him. Okay, so check this out. Job chapter one, verse 15. All of his donkeys were taken by raiders and his farmhands were killed. That's an attack on his wealth and his possessions. Job chapter, chapter one, verse 16. All of his sheep and shepherds were killed by a natural disaster. Job chapter one, 17. All of his camels were stolen by raiders and his servants were killed. Another attack on his wealth and possessions. And then Job chapter one, Verse 19, all of his children were killed in a violent windstorm at a party. That was an attack on his family. In a matter of five verses, Job lost everything. All of his wealth, all of his possessions, and all of, and, and all of his family. But what's interesting about Job, and the reason why we're looking at his life, is, is how he responded to that. Job chapter 1, verse 21 This is Job's response. He says, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. 
in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's exactly how I respond in situations like that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true. And it's not true definitely for me. Like, I know when I get in seasons like that, my, my response is like, man, why is this happening? Like, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and I'm sure, I'm sure that that is the majority of how we respond in this room, right? Because we're not perfect. We're not perfect at all. And so today, this morning, um, actually, because, before we go any further, uh, it's important to note that uh, chapter two, it gets worse for Job. Uh, it gets worse for Job uh, because Satan goes to God again, and he says, hey, all that was all right, uh, but the real reason Job didn't show his real colors is because uh, he still has his life, like he still has his health. So if you let me mess with that, we'll really get to see how faithful Job is. And so after that, uh, God replies and says, okay, you can test him, but don't take his life. Don't take his life. So Job, Satan, Satan gives Job like these nasty boils all over his body. How many of you have ever had boils? Like, I don't know if that's appropriate to ask in church. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it's whatever. Uh, you know, you don't have to answer. Um, but, you know, any, any kind of discomfort on your skin, it is annoying. But could you imagine, like, boils all over your body? Like, raise little bubbles that if you squeeze them, like, like pus comes out, you know? And like, ugh. That's gross. It hurts. And Job's in so much pain because of all of these sores all over his body that it, it thrusts him in to this period of his life where he goes through uh, emotional, mental, like even like this spiritual tension in his life. His beliefs are challenged. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think all throughout our, our seasons of struggle and situations where we, we find frustration, uh, we go through that same kind of thing if we don't keep the right mindset. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about uh, three different lessons in faith uh, that we can learn from Job. Three lessons in faith that we can learn from Job. If you were like waiting for me to get to a part where you can write at the top of your notes, like this is the title of the message, that's what you can write down right now, right here. Okay, lessons in faith from Job. We're gonna talk about three of them. The first one we're gonna talk about is this, and I, this is not original idea. Actually, uh, uh, Somebody talked about this idea at the well. The well is our young adult ministry, 18 to 30. It's awesome. If you're 18 to 30 years old, you should come and hang out with us on Wednesday nights. Uh, but we had a young lady that, that preached the message, and this whole first point came out of her message. And I was like, hey, I'm going to steal that. And she's like, okay. Uh, so anyhow, I stole that. Um, but it's okay. Because it's important for us to think about. But the first lesson that we can learn is things happen to people. Things happen to people. What's interesting is immediately after these boils show up on Job's body, um, and he's in excruciating pain, Job's wife, the helpmate, the encourager, the one that he, he can look to the most, comes in and says these words, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. That's intense. Right? Nobody says that to their spouse, right? Nobody in this room for sure watching online, right? No, no, not at all. But Job is just equally as witty like, and uh, pretty quick to respond. And if you don't believe that, you can look in chapter 2, verse 8. He replies and says, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Now, I do want to point out uh, that Job said he didn't call his wife foolish. He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Okay, there's a big difference. And he had boils all over his body, okay? So cut him some slack a little bit, all right? Um, but the thing that I want us to take away from right here is should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? In other words, hey, we can't just always expect everything that we experience to be good. It's, it's, that's unreasonable. But we struggle with that idea. And we've struggled with it for pretty much all of humanity. So much so that we've, we have this old question, this age-old question that we ask so many times when bad things are happening. Why do bad things happen to good people? 
Why do bad things happen to good people? We get hung up on this question. We get frustrated by this question. Maybe when we're watching other people go through bad things that we would deem as good people. Or maybe when we're going through things and we feel like you know, we're doing good and we still have bad things that happen to us. We get stuck on this question, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, look at Job's life. Literally, God said that he is blameless. He is blameless. And he's dealing with what most of us would deem insurmountable in this moment that we're reading about in the book of Job. This is what I think we have to do when we go through situations, frustrating points, in order to maintain our faithfulness to God, is we have to stop asking why do bad things happen to good people, and we have to start understanding that things happen to people. Things happen to people. You know, in Job's case, God was letting Job be tested. In other cases, like maybe you've been mistreated or you've been treated unfairly. You've not been given fair opportunities for whatever reason. Maybe someone has hurt you or taken advantage of you. And, and can I tell you, that doesn't always mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't always mean that you, you've messed up along the way. Just people are dumb sometimes and they do things that hurt others. And I'm sorry if that's what you're going through. I really am. But that doesn't mean that you've messed up. It just means that things happen to people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some times where we do stupid things and then the consequences aren't that great. But that doesn't always mean that's what happens. Let me give you just a glimpse of what happens between Job chapter two, verse 20. I know that's a big chunk, but if I was to break it down verse, we'd be here all day and nobody wants that. So uh, maybe you do, that's great. But uh, Job chapter 20, Job chapter two, verse 20, Job's having a really difficult time. Like, like I said, those boils, they thrust into this moment of like mental, emotional, spiritual tension. He's really having a hard time. He's not sinning, but he's frustrated. And he says things like this, like curse the day that I was born. Or I wish my mother's womb would have never been able to bear children. Like he is really upset. And to add on to all of that, his friends, his friends start telling him that he must have done something wrong in order to cause God to allow him to have all these terrible things happen to him. Uh, side note, this is another example of why it's important that we choose wisely who we let to be in our life. And I know, like, you're probably like, yeah, he's a youth pastor. Of course he's going to talk about this. Like, this is a teenage, a, a teenage thing. It's not. It's really not. You know, you rub shoulders with people at your workplace. You choose your friends still, right? Did you know the people that you choose to spend time with is the second most important decision that you'll ever make in your entire life? The first being whether or not to follow Jesus. Because it impacts you so greatly. It impacts your perspective on life. Listening to the wrong voices when we're going through a rough season will make things worse. Having the right voices will help build your faith. So be selective about the voices and the people that you let in because Job had some doozies. Job let in some really bad voices. And at this point in time, it's not like you can run away from him. The poor man, he probably couldn't move. He was in so much pain, right? So when you find yourself in rough seasons, sometimes... Sometimes if you're not willing to make drastic decisions about the people that are in your life, you might be stuck to a certain point with trying to filter out the voices that aren't helping you, right? So make good choices now about who you let in your life. Eventually, Job really starts to question God as to why these things were happening to him, All right? He starts to question why. And I think that when frustrating things happen, we have to be okay with the possibility of not knowing the exact reason why it happened, uh, which leads me to the second lesson that we can learn from Job's story in faith. Second is God is still there. God's still there. No matter the situation or circumstance you're going through, God is still there. And after Job cried out and he complained and he told God how unfair his situation was, like he did that for uh, a little bit of time in that chunk of uh, between chapter 20 and uh, between, between chapter two and chapter 20, God takes two whole chapters to respond to, to Job. 
And uh, then he lets Job talk for just a second, and then he responds again to Job for another chapter and a half. Um, and I think that's a lesson that we can learn all in, a, in all of itself, is uh, sometimes we need to do a better job of listening to God because he has a lot to say. He really has a lot to say to us. But uh, when we're not intentional about our time with him, uh, or we spend too much time talking, that doesn't give God the opportunity to speak to us. So try, try, try to be a little bit different. But what's interesting is that God doesn't answer Job's questions directly. Um, instead, uh, he gives Job the, the big picture form of questions. Uh, where, like, where were you when I created the vast expanse of the universe? Do you control the wild beasts of the land? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear? Uh, like he really, he really doesn't answer Job directly about why things are happening to him. But what he really does do is he, through his questions and response back to Job, he's giving Job the big picture like, hey, you, you can't understand how vast the universe is, but I can because I created it. You don't know how to create the wild beasts that roam the earth, but I do because I did that. I understand what's going on in your life, and I have the big picture in mind. I can see what you cannot see. I can see what's coming down the pipe. I have everything under control, and just so you know, I respond to you when you cry out to me. I am always there. I will never leave you. Just to give you some context uh, or, or some, you know, proof to that, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says this, God speaking, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And the writer of Hebrews, like, calls back to that uh, when he says, when he writes this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Like, it's, it's a big theme, but we struggle with that when we're walking through it. We struggle with it. And sometimes, you may actually come to a point in your journey with Jesus that you feel like you've cried out and you've not heard anything in response. And I would just maybe challenge you to push back just a little bit is when you get to that point in your life and you feel like you're not hearing anything back from God, ask yourself this, when is the last time that I spent intentional time in God's word, right? And the reason why I say that is, is because this, we know out of, uh, out of 2 Timothy verse, uh, or chapter 3, verse 16, says this, that all scripture is God-breathed, right? And when, have you ever tried to say something without your breath? Like, you try to whisper something to the person next to you and try to do it without using your breath. You can't do it. You can't, you can't do it. You have to use your breath in order to speak. The same is true for us when when we read God's word, we're reading his voice. He speaks to us when we read his word. And we recognize his voice a lot more when we're reading his word more. We're spending intentional time in prayer and worship more. So if you feel like you haven't heard God in a while, when's the last time you read his voice? Right? Because all scripture is God-breathed. And when you're reading his voice, when you're spending time in his word, your, your memory goes back to, you, you recall when you're walking through situations and you've spent intentional time in his word, you, you more easily recall just how vast, how great, how mighty, how powerful God is. And when you're walking through that season, that's what brings you comfort. The creator of the universe is on your side. If he is for you, who can be against you, right? You have those truths that you understand, that you can recall more easily when you're in his word, right? God is still there. The last lesson that we can learn, that we're gonna look at, we can learn from the story of Job, is that we have to have a live, uh, uh, we have to live with a soon mentality. We have to live with a soon mentality, all right? Now, what's that mean, all right? Because, you know, you may not know. So this is what live with a soon mentality means. It's the understanding that when adversity strikes, it'll soon be over, right? When adversity strikes, it'll soon be over. Um, Job's issue seemed pretty permanent, right? Because we read the entire book of 42 chapters. There's 42 chapters in the book of Job. And the entire, most of the book deals with Job's struggle, right? Right? 
So it feels pretty permanent to us. How many of you would relate to that? You would say you relate to that when you're walking through a difficult season in life. It feels like it just takes forever. Now, here's an example, a real-life example of that. All right, March 15th, 2020, right? COVID-19, all right? Was the, March 15th, 2020, was... The last Sunday, we, was the first Sunday that we did not meet here in person uh, because of COVID-19, right? Four months later, we came back July 12th. That four-month period of time felt like it took forever. Like, some people thought it was way too long. Some people thought it wasn't long enough, right? And then you have a whole other thing that you're talking about all of a sudden, you know? And, but in reality... Most of that time when we're all sitting at home, it's like, man, is this ever going to get over? Is this ever going to end? When you're walking through it, it just seems like it takes forever. Job's situation is the same thing. And when, even when we're reading it from the outside looking in, it seems like it takes forever because it's 42 chapters, an entire book, mostly about his struggle. But did you know most Bible scholars believe that the entire 42-chapter book of Job happened in nine months, in nine months. 42 chapters, all in nine months, less than a year. Now, I wanna illustrate this um, kind of in a creative way, but I need some volunteers, all right? I need some volunteers. Any volunteers? All right, Ryan, right there, okay. Man, if I ask this on a Sunday night, everybody's like, pick me, pick me, and like some middle school kid in the back is like, has no idea. Like, I'd be asking them to eat some, Something bad. I don't know. Like, but nobody. Okay. Any, any, right here. Okay. Right there. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Actually, I need, I'm just going to start calling people up. Ariana, there you go. Uh, let's see. JT. Drew, right here. Drew, get on up here. All right. I need like two more. Mike. There you go. All right. Don, come on up here. Okay. I love how everybody's like calling out other people. I'm not willing to be a part, but this person definitely probably isn't. But if I point to them, they're going to get called. Like, I should have done something differently. I should have started. Yeah. All right. I need you to take this, and I need you to just go that way. Okay. Now, you're just kind of pick up slack and go that way a little bit. Same thing. Same thing. As, same thing. Same thing. You're just going to go as far that way as you can. Okay. All right, even if you have to go down the stage, last service, they were underserved, so if you want to go that direction, that's fine. You're probably going to it's 100 feet long, okay? So, but I need some of you to be up here if you want to come back this direction. There we go. I'm really good at directing traffic. Uh, just kidding. Um, all right, you probably have to go off the stage, too. That's fine. That's fine. If you're watching online and you're like, this doesn't translate, I'm really sorry. I am, but you'll hopefully get the point in just a second. Um, okay, we're gonna do a little exercise to kind of illustrate this. Are you at 100 all the way, pulled out? Or, okay, Mike's all the way over there, underserved. Uh, it's metal, so nobody try to walk out that side of the aisle or you might not have a head afterwards. Okay, um, that's, we can have a healing service after that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, we're not trying for that. Um, uh, Pastor Craig's never letting me do this again. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna illustrate this a little bit a little bit like uh, so you can get a better understanding of it. All right, so math geniuses. All right, we have a hundred feet of of uh, tape tape measure here. Okay, and you know humans can live to be about a hundred years old. Right, my grandma and my great grandma lived to be ninety nine, and I mean I was really pulling for them to get to a hundred, but they just fell a little bit short. Uh, and that's okay. One day I'm going to get up to heaven and be like, Grandma, great grandma at Starbucks, just so you know. Uh, hey, all the white girls out there, Starbucks is my name, all right? Uh, I don't know if that was problematic. But anyhow, um, so like they almost made it. I'm going to give them a fist bump and be like, you almost did it, 100. You made it to heaven. That's good, but almost 100. Um, so anyway, I thought that was going to be funnier. Um, <laughs> so we got 100 feet right here. Most Humans don't make it to 100, but 77.28 is an average American's lifespan, right? Um, we have, where are you at, JT? I'm at 71. Go back to 70 real quick. There you go. Okay. So if we take this 100 feet right here and we break it down to inches, let's pretend for a second that one inch equals a year, right? 
one inch, uh, I'm sorry, one inch equals a month. One inch equals a month, all right? So on this tape measure, how long would be one year? 12 inches, which is also one foot. I know, yes, we got it, math geniuses, all right? 12 inches is a foot. Yeah, <laughs> these guys, they're complimenting each other's math skills. Uh, so we have one inch equals a month, one foot equals a year. Uh, we have 70 right here. Now, most Bible scholars believe that, uh, most theologians and Bible scholars believe that Job's issues, Job's season that we read about in this 42-chapter-long book uh, started when he was 70 years old, all right? You're at 70 right now. You're not 70 years old, uh, but you are at 70 right now. So I need you to do this. If we believe that Job's issues took nine months, 42 chapters of Job took nine months, I need you to, on 70, go to um, 79 inches. There you go. No, like 70 feet, nine inches. And just make that section, hold it up. There you go, right there. Okay, now look at the expanse of the tape measure, right? Look how long this is, and this is the amount of time that we read about Job's struggles happening, nine months long. Look at the rest of his life, right? Sometimes when we walk through seasons, it seems like it takes forever. Let me help you illustrate just a little bit more. Okay, like just, I mean, where's, not, where's 70? All right, there. Where's not 79? Okay, all right, now just hold them. Okay, this, this little bit. <laughs> this little bit right here, that's it. Nine months of 100 years, all right? 77 if you're an average person, but it's not out of the ordinary for people to live way longer than that. What happens when we get stuck in the short season of our life and we can't get out of it, we fall into depression, we get anxious, we start to think about um, permanent solutions to temporary issues, right? In a culture, in a society, in a world where, where suicide attempt is at an all-time high in all age demographics, right? That stuff happens when we Stop living with a soon mentality. It's going to be over soon. Now, uh, when we read the story of Job, sometimes we forget about the final two verses of Job, right? Because we have 100, we have 100 feet represented here, but this is, this is how it ends, chapter 42, verse 16 and 17. After Job, after this, Job lived another 140 years, right? So if we were to take this tape measure and to go another, starting from JT, another 140 feet, that would represent the vast expanse of Job's life. This is how that verse ends. He saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations then he became an old man, having lived a long and good life. And God gave him more than what he started with. And he would have never, yeah, that's right. He would have never experienced that if he would have got caught up in, the, in this short season of his life. Can I tell you that I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the situation that you might be facing right now. But believe it'll soon be over. If you believe it'll soon be over, it doesn't mean that it always will just be this short little thing. There are times where things, like, things take a little bit to get through. But if you're believing that it'll soon be over, you can do it because God's right alongside there with you. Um, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth in, chapter, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, he says this, this is why we never give up. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying and our, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last long. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. We can't see the big picture. God doesn't give us that vantage point. He gives us this small moment right now and he asks us to be faithful, 
He asks us to hold tight. He asks us to live with a soon mentality. But he knows what's coming down the pipe. He knows what's coming next. And he has good things for you. He does. But we, we, we uh, lose out on those good things when we get caught up in the short season of life that this represents. Can you give it up for these guys and ladies? All right. You can just drop it. Just drop it. It's good. Understanding that, these, that things happen to people, that God is still there and living with a soon mentality. And then if you include this little nugget from Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, he says this, and it's a familiar verse and passage to many of us. He says, in this world, you'll have many what? Many trials, right? You're gonna have probably more of these moments, more of these moments than just one time in your, you know, in your lifetime. You're gonna have more of these moments. But we should, be, we should take heart because Jesus ends that passage of scripture with this encouragement. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And when we walk with Jesus, we walk in his victory. And if he's overcome the world, we can overcome our situation as we walk with him, right? That's why we should be encouraged. You'll be more prepared to remain faithful to God in spite of your circumstances, and act in spite of the consequences. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you are always there with us, no matter the situation, no matter the things that we walk through, no matter the hard times that we face. We know that your character it's true that you'll never leave us, that you're walking alongside of us all the way through everything that we walk through. I know that they're in a room like this and people that watch online, I know that there probably will be some of us that are walking through hard seasons right now and we need to be reminded that, you know, things happen to people. That God is still there, even when he feels like he's far away. And if we can live with a soon mentality, we'll be able to make it through. So I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing. But I want to encourage you today that God is faithful through every season and every storm. I wanna pray for you today, and if that's you, you say, I'm walking through it right now, uh, would you just wave a hand at me? Just raise your hand all across the room. If you're watching online, you can put a little hand wave emoji in there. But you're walking through something that seems insurmountable. You're walking through something that seems like is never gonna end. If that's you this morning, I wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we know that there's certain seasons in our life that seem like they just go on and on and on and they never end. We feel stuck. We feel like we're beating our head up against the wall. We can't get out. Father, things that seem like we'll never experience victory in, and I ask right now for those that are in this room or maybe watching online that you would just begin to encourage them in this moment, that you would build their faith back up. Maybe a faith that they've put, uh, faith that has been burnt because we've put our, our, our hope and trust on, on, on people and on imperfect things. We ask that you would build our faith in you because you'll never let us down. You're faithful to the end. In Jesus' name. For those of you that might be in the room or online, you're watching, and you would say um, that this faith in God is a foreign concept because being faithful is a foreign concept because you haven't yet put your faith in God. And maybe you've really struggled to make it through these rough seasons in your life. I wanna, I wanna tell you that what seems 
insurmountable, what seems like you can't make it through, um, you can't do it alone, but with God, you can experience victory. And so this morning, or this afternoon, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do just that, to put your faith and your hope in Jesus. The one and only person that is perfect, that will always be there for you, and he'll never, ever let you down. And you have your opportunity, no matter how, no matter whether you've lost family or possessions or your wealth, you have the opportunity this morning to secure your faith in Jesus. And if that would be you, you'd say, you know, Pastor Josh, that's me. I wanna make that decision this morning. If you're in the room, would you just raise your hand real quick? And you can put it right back down. I see those hands. Yeah, it's awesome. Any others? You're online, you can do the same thing. A little wave hand, emoji. And we're gonna pray in just a second. And so nobody prays alone. And so others that may have not been bold enough to even raise their hand, but yet are serious about this next move, have the boldness to pray. Let's just do this all together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you can say right after me. Heavenly Father, I know that without you, my situations seem bleak. But with you, I can be victorious. So today, I put my faith in you. I know that I'm a sinner and I repent. And from this day on, the best I know how, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, can we celebrate those people that just made that decision?